A Cult Confessions is brought to you commercial-free through the generous support of our patrons. Visit occultconfessions.com and click on Donate to help keep the history of the occult on the digital airwaves. Is the Theosophical Society secretly running the United Nations as a puppet organization? And is this part of a conspiracy to spread the worship of Satan, Prince of Darkness, Ruler of Demons, and Father of Lies? Let's try those questions another way, just so we're clear what we're asking here. Is the Theosophical Society the original Church of Satan before LaVey made it cool? And are they controlling the international governing body responsible for establishing and maintaining international peace and security, and ensuring that all people enjoy reasonable living standards and human rights? And is that whole international peace and human rights agenda just a cover-up to get people around the globe to worship Satan, the great adversary? and angel of the abyss. I first heard this theory while I was conducting some research for a conference presentation on how internet culture represents the life and career of the controversial turn-of-the-century occultist Aleister Crowley. Midway through a documentary that had been entirely focused on how Crowley had inspired rock musicians to create satanic music and inspire child murder, the narrator suddenly announced that Helena Blavatsky's Theosophical Society was secretly in control of the United Nations, and that their purposes were decidedly evil. This whole idea struck me as so off the wall that I needed to find out where it came from, and why anyone would believe it. And so, the Helena Blavatsky United Nations Satanic Conspiracy Theory will be the topic and the target of today's episode, the last in our Blavatsky series. Satan. <laughs> I just, I heard a lot of what you said, but mostly Aleister Crowley and Satan. And Helena Blavatsky. Well, Aleister, he, he is going to come back, but today that's that's all we'll be hearing from him. I feel like Laying if down. they were <laughs> running that, we'd have a lot less issues than we currently have with our foreign affairs. So if oh. the Satanists were, <laughs> so you, you're saying the proof that the Satanists aren't running the United Nations is that we have really poor foreign affairs. It's the right current now. state of things. Ununited <laughs> Nations. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. I look forward to hearing more about these ideas. Hmm. Uh, my name is Rob C. Thompson, Supreme Hierophant of the Secret Order of Alchemical Actors and Doctor of the Occult. I am joined today by our, I guess, resident Satanists. Oh, shit. Right? To some extent. I mean, I don't think there's anyone else. You're the yeah, closest no. we've got, right? Yeah, I don't... We've got the literal sisters. <laughs> Olivia, as usual, our grandmaster. Woo! Brianna. Hey. Okay. Uh, and also joining us, we have John Cook. Hey, what's up? Nice. Thank nice. you. Trying out something new there. Yeah. Uh, John uh, is an untitled initiate as opposed to our Grandmaster and Metallurgic Prophet. Uh, so I think it's, it's time to give John his title. Hmm. We've, we've had a couple of titles that have come up over the last few episodes that we, they're sort of like floating around waiting for someone to, to pick them up. Right. Uh, so the first one is the Keeper of the Titles. <laughs> and that comes with some responsibility, John, because you will have to keep track of everyone's title because I Isn't just don't it, want to. Isn't uh, it a little late? To make that a title, though? No, because yeah, Rob's yeah, forgetting every day. It's more, more or less more. out of my laziness. I would yeah. like someone to just know the titles. All right. And someone we can yell at if I don't. Yeah, but don't forget your own. I feel like John might not be the person for that title. The other one, I though, just so we're clear, is 
Sylph of the Air. That's the one. <laughs> John the Sylph. Sylph of the Air. I'm going to call bio. you that outside of this podcast Please now. Do. Is that, is is that, that it? it? We're going then? with Sylph of the Air? I guess. So John is, is leaving aside the keep. We still don't have a title keeper. Who is going to keep But now we names? have yet another title. Okay, all right. I'm fine with that. If that's Forward the will the of the group. Guy. Do you feel like a Sylph of the Air? Yes. Done. John. Do you ever feel... Like right. a sylph of air. Nope. Is that copyrighted? No, because no. I changed it. <laughs> Mostly. Protected under parody. My single is dropping later this week. We, the members of, of the, the Secret, Secret Order of Alchemical Actors, do solemnly commit ourselves to a full and honest telling of the history of the occult as far as we know it. All right. Uh, let's get to our three plugs here before we dive into the Satan Conspiracy United Nations business. Plug, plug, plug. Plug, plug, plug. Uh, we're going to start with the Damned Podcast community, who is our newest patron. Rob, be nice. No, but that's that's their that's who they are. Are you sure? They're the Damned Podcast community. Huh? They talk about damned things I actually in a communal were fashion. referencing the entire podcast community. No, 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 no. The damned <laughs> podcast <laughs> community. I was like, oh, wait. So you're telling... So we... <laughs> a part of that. So like the, all podcasts gathered together to give us a couple bucks on Patreon is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> They're like this poor, poor no, podcast. No, no, no. About it, it's no, these guys do like, you know, occulty things and, yeah. you know, like murder things and that kind of stuff. And they have YouTube videos and all sorts of fun stuff. So thank you, damned podcast. Thanks for <laughs> thinking that we are also damned. Maybe, I, yeah, I think I would. Take I mean, I'm this down with it. That yeah, I've known. Thanks. <laughs> uh, we do want to make a plug as well as usual for our listeners to uh, like and subscribe. Can you like, subscribe? You can like us on your own time and give us stars and yeah, just like us just, just as you're sitting, sitting around. around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the general. <like> this. <laughs> Plug number two. Uh, oh, and I don't really have it. Oh, plug number three. I do have a thing. Uh, it, so I, what I want to start doing with the three plugs is, you know, we'll talk about the folks that gave to us on Patreon. We'll encourage people to subscribe, as we did. This is very meta. And uh, we will let folks know about episodes previous to this one that might help them better understand the content. Oh. So in this case, can you guess which one I'm going to promote? Alistair Crowley? No, because we're not talking or about him a anymore girl today. can hope. He, I, I uh, really am preparing an episode about the him. The last episode I was in. It's, did you, were you in Satanic Panic? Yeah, I yeah. did the brief history for it. So That's... Satanic Panic is what I would suggest uh, so, that our listeners have a listen to as a compliment, right? All of the previous Blavatsky stuff, too. Well, that right. Just, yeah. <laughs> just all the episodes. But yeah, all the That's Satanic just stuff. Yeah, just listen to all 30-some episodes. Podcast. Very good. Satanic cult. Let's close up the plugs. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> I plugged him back up. I have a sound effect for that. Oh, and you don't want that one? It's a lick. Anyway. Under a couple of dirty little rocks in one of the more dangerous digital neighborhoods on the bad side of the internet. Oh. Yeah. I came across two websites who offered two of the only substantial clues I could find about this alleged conspiracy. The first was an article by Atreyu on... Bibliogrecaleades.net. Bibliogrecaleades. That's like Bibliotheca Pleiades. Is that what that is? I don't know. Is that my site? Are you on my site? Are you? Does that? No, it's Bibliogrecaleades. I think that's a 
for I think that's like, it's a, like a sister play site. on that. I think it's a. Well, okay, so what is your site about? Uh, basically, my whole reptilian ish like episode oh. was mostly from. It's called Biblioteca Pleiades. Well, that explains a lot. I think Pleiadians, Pleiades. You can. <laughs> anyway, this, this Atreyu character uh, points to the Luchus Trust as the satanic, satanic theosophical arm of the United Nations, or at least a sign that the United Nations is secretly satanical and uh, theosophical. The Lucius Trust is a publishing house which prints disseminates United Nations material. It is a devastating indictment of the New Age and pagan nature of the UN. Lucius Trust was established in 1922 as Lucifer Trust by Alice Bailey as a publishing company to disseminate the books of Bailey and Blavatsky in the Theosophical Society. The title page of Alice Bailey's book, Initiation Human and Solar, was originally printed in 1922 and clearly shows the publishing house of the Lucifer Publishing Company in 1923. I'm going to start by conceding that at least some of what the learned Atreyu has to say here is true. It is true that, one, Alice Bailey established the Lucifer Trust, and two, that happened in 1922, and three, that the Lucifer Trust was renamed the Luchus Trust, and four, that they have some relationship with the United Nations. So it feels like I'm conceding a lot here, but I'm about to walk back a lot of that. I was going to say, I feel yeah. like you conceded the yeah. whole thing. Oh, <laughs> Case closed. Oh, but no. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, who the heck is Alice Bailey? We got to answer this question, right? I'm trying to figure that out. I got you. For that answer, I'd like to turn to a new favorite resource of mine. It's the Biographical Dictionary of American Cult and Sect Leaders by J. Gordon Melton, published in 1986. I'm sorry, what? I happen to have purchased a copy once owned by the Sacred Heart University Library in Bridgeport, Connecticut, where I presume everyone now knows their American cult and sect leaders, so there's no longer any need for this book. Otherwise, why would you part with it, right? I would never. This is the biographical dictionary of American cult and sect leaders. This is something we should all have on our shelves, particularly the Sacred Heart University Library. So, they must have memorized them. Anyway, uh, let's take a look in a new segment that I'm calling A Moment with the Biographical Dictionary of American Cult and Sect Leaders by Jay Gorton Melton. And I'm going to go ahead and do this myself. Please. Yes. <clears throat> All right, so let's open this up. Alice Latrobe Bateman Bailey was born June 16, 1880 in Manchester, England, and died on December the 15th, 1949 in New York. Little Alice was an unhappy child, growing up in a wealthy family in England and attempting suicide on several occasions. One Sunday afternoon when she was 15 years old, she sat alone in her room, reading, when a tall stranger in a turban came in and sat beside her. Oh no. Yes. He told her that she had an important mission that she had to prepare for. At the time, she thought this man was Christ, but she later discovered when she saw, because Christ is popularly pictured with a turban on. Wait, 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 wait! Oh shit, do I know what's gonna happen? You, I think you do. We'll see. But she <laughs> later discovered when she saw his portrait at the Theosophical Society, yeah? N no. That he was none other than. Sh no, 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 no. Kutumi! No, 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 no. Knew you were gonna say that! Coot no. himself, one of Helena Blavatsky's Himalayan Mahatmas, yes. She married William Evans and moved to Cincinnati, Ohio, where he studied to be an Episcopal priest. <laughs> right? Wait, like you do what? when you marry a woman <laughs> who is friends with Coot Humi. Well, uh, 
showed up. How much longer? That's what he does. That's how Coot rolls. He just pops in and tells you that how you much? have a mission. Just ride the Coot train. Vavatsky oh. is not alive <laughs> anymore, right. right? What year she's, is this? Uh, she died in uh, 1892. So yeah, she's dead. A little bit dead. She's only been dead for like a decade. So Alice Bailey is very conveniently seeing. She's picking up the mantle of Coot. Because Blavatsky can't ain't carrying it anymore. So she's married to this Episcopal priest. Uh, and he turns out to be a priest with the tendency to fly into a, a rage. Oh. So she divorced him after the First World War. Because you got to get your world wars out of the way, right? After the World War. <laughs> yeah, she, she saw that through with him. And then she was like, okay, I gotta go now. So two of her friends in Pacific Grove, California, introduced her to Theosophy. So she would have later seen the Kudhumi photograph, uh, image, painting. Oh, she hasn't seen it. Right, but oh. she, so she met the guy when she was 15. But then much later, she saw the portrait and was like, oh, that's my guy. She thought it was Christ for all this time. Christ in a turban. So, uh... In 1917, uh, she moves to Crotona, which is the Society's American National Headquarters at the time, and becomes the editor of the Theosophical Society's periodical, The Messenger. She also meets her future husband, Foster Bailey, who happens to be the, the TS's secretary. In November 1919, she's contacted by Dejual Kool, a Tibetan master, her own master now. It's not just Kut, now we got Dejual Kool, and he asks her to become his assistant and telepathically dictates the text of Initiation, Human, and Solar to her, and then 18 more books over the course of the next 30 years, which is sort of on par with Kutumi and Master Moria. Like, they dictated a bunch of books to Blavatsky, so she's just trying to keep up. Alice and Foster uh, are dismissed over internal fighting within the Theosophical Society, and they go on to form the Luchas Trust and publish Alice's works through them. Husband and wife also found what's called the Arcane School to train disciples, and in 1932, she turns toward forming groups focused on promoting a unified world civilization and a world religion bringing together East and West. After she died, the Arcane School split, and her husband ran the Luchas Trust until his death in 1977. The Luchas Trust is still with us today. And that's a moment with the Biographical Dictionary of American Cult and Sect Leaders by J. Gordon M Melton. Woo! Jay Gordon and Rob! <laughs> Alright, let's get back to the story. I had a question, but now I don't remember. I also so had a pun, going. but I don't... Really? <laughs> yeah. That's not like you. I know. Let's have it. The guy must have been, must have been pretty cool, so... He wrote those books and his name was cool. I'm gonna go. <laughs> oh, I didn't get it because I forgot his name. It's cool. Coot and cool. Oh, Dijual cool. Yeah, he was a pretty cool dude. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah, that's All a, right. That's Somewhere a job. Brandon is listening. At me like I am. <laughs> that's like the kind of I pun should... you'd hear on a cartoon for 11 year olds. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice being here, guys. There's a market for that. You're fine. <laughs> it's just not here. <laughs> you know what, John? I did, I, did, I did force you to, to give us that pun. We do an episode I will on take Satan partial again. responsibility Thank for you. that pun. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Bailey ties together three pieces of the Atreyu puzzle. Lucifer, also known as the rebellious angel or Satan, <laughs> piece number one, the Theosophical Society, piece number two, and the United Nations, piece number three. So if we know who she is, we can see she's got all these pieces pulling together. 
and I'll tell you how. The themes in Bailey's life resonate with what we've learned about Helena Blavatsky this season. Blavatsky's claim to fame was her effort to unite Eastern and Western occultism and establish a kind of world religion by erecting lodges of the society all across the globe. And, you know, we talked about the secret doctrine and how she's pulling together Western and Eastern occultism. She was also famously hostile to Christianity and devoted half of her first book, Isis Unveiled, to a direct attack on organized Christianity. She believed that religion specifically Christianity, Christian religion, was a pale copy of the more original Buddhist and Vedic traditions of India. And in her second major work, she made the case that Satan wasn't actually the evil angel the Christians had made him out to be. The secret doctrine says, as you'll recall, that the serpent in the Garden of Eden raised Adam and Eve out of their animal ignorance by opening their intelligence. So Lucifer, not so bad. And remember from, uh, I think it was the first of The Secret Doctrine, she was involved with a publication called, I believe, Lucifer. It was just the name of it. You remember this, Olivia? No, maybe? No. The the young theosophists created a magazine, and they just called it Lucifer. Oh, I didn't remember the name, but I remember what you're talking about, I think. So, without the serpent, how can humankind have the presence of mind to come to appreciate and understand God and spirit, is Blavatsky's question. That's why she likes the serpent, who she equates with Lucifer. Lucifer is okay. He's the bringer of light, called both the day star and son of morning in the Old Testament, by the way. And so Blavatsky called that, yeah, she called that London magazine Lucifer. Oh, good for you. Yeah, that's right here. Oh, (laughs) okay. Yep, now I know for sure. Glad I put that in here. Oh, good for you. (laughs) Didn't read ahead, though. Okay. And Bailey calls her publishing company the Lucifer Trust, initially. But Blavatsky was not actually what we would consider a Satan worshiper, to just take one step back from this, complicate the story. She understood the serpent and Satan as an allegory and was not inclined to believe in any of the Christian accounts whatsoever. Satan was, if anything, a misidentified spirit who was among her Hindu pantheon, which was far closer to her understanding of the spiritual world. So... Christian Satan doesn't even work because Blavatsky's operating in a Hindu reincarnationist universe. So she's not really a Satan worshiper. She's just saying Lucifer is really a Hindu spirit who endowed humanity with intelligence. I can get down with that, though. Yeah. All right. Cool. <laughs> Dijual cool. Yeah. This this is not okay. <laughs> Why do you hate me? <laughs> Why did you say that? <laughs> So, because now we can enjoy it for the rest of the episode. I'm just mad because I didn't get it. And we can have listeners groaning across the globe as I continue to use the jewel cool pun. I'm so sorry. Bailey's connection to the devil goes deeper than the name of her publishing company and somewhat indirect association with Blavatsky. To understand how, we have to turn to another right-wing Christian conspiracy theorist, David J. Stewart on Jesus-is-savior... Dot com because I assume the Jesus is Savior.com without the hyphens was taken. How many hyphens was that? Two hyphens between Jesus is and Savior. Okay. Not with dot com. The Lucius Trust Publishing Company and their many fronts and organizations worship in an externalized hierarchy of ascendant masters who carry out the work of a Luciferian master plan. Adam Weishaupt's 1775 Illuminati Blueprint for the establishment of a permanent Age of Aquarius ruled by one Sanat Kumara. Notice the name Satan has been rearranged just as Santa. 
the Lord of the world, 2 Corinthians 4.4 identifies this as the devil who is the god of this evil world. Sanat Kumara is a fictitious character made up by Alice Bailey and her Satan-worshipping buddies. The truth of the matter is that the so-called ascendant masters were in contact with familiar spirits, demons, that dictated what Satan wanted them to write. This is how Satan controls the spiritual wickedness in high places, as Ephesians 6.12 teaches in the Bible. So, Santa is Satan. Santa equals Satan. Santa is the master of this world. <laughs> yes, he is. I mean, we've known it since we were like three, right? And he brings joy to children. Which Does he? Is I, in this like Satan. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you right. Yep. Yeah, that, where is that statuette of, of Baphomet and the children coming unto him? Yeah. Oh, in uh, Sabrina, the new Sabrina show. They use that? Yeah. yeah. No, but there's isn't there an actual, like at a courthouse, they have... Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, they, the that's why they have the copyright issues on Sabrina. Yeah. Because they, Cause they cause have it's the literally an exact, exact same statue. Yeah, it's... Anyway. Uh... So we're starting to get deeper into the weeds, as you all can tell, what with the Santa, Satan... But this Sanat Kumara guy is, is who we have to get to. Okay. So to understand what the heck Stuart is on about, we'll actually need to get into a bit of what Bailey wrote, and we'll turn to her first book, which we've heard about a couple times already, Initiation, Human, and Solar. Her book lays out how you, yes you, can become an ascended master, just like Blavatsky's White Lodges in Egypt and the Himalayas. You can be coot. Me? Or cool. Ooh. Ooh. Oh. <laughs> John is making this face. I was going to say you're, cool. I was going to say You're going to say or cool. cool. Oh, John's getting into the game now. Uh, Thank you. Ah, he's joining the cool game. Yeah, he is. I'm going to let you do that next time. If I see it coming, I'm letting it come. Okay, so here's how this opportunity came to be, that you too can be a coot or a... Coot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. First, we've got to accept that our planet is watched over by a vast hierarchy of spirits. Can you guys get on board with that, my pagans? Yeah, done. Okay, cool. John? Sure. All right. Uh, (laughs) He's not going to say no. Less enthusiastic. Yeah, he's surrounded. (laughs) That hierarchy has been more or less the same for millions of years, with one important exception. It'll help before we go on, if you haven't listened to our last episode on the Secret Nocturne, to go ahead and have a listen. That'll really inform this a bit. This really last two episodes. Bailey is really expanding on Blavatsky, and so you've got to have a sense of Blavatsky's system before you can truly get on board with Bailey's. Okay, so during the fourth root race, recall that we are the fifth, and the fourth were the denizens of the sunken continent of Atlantis, the Atlanteans. Some of the spirits watching over our planet were called up to work on other planes and other planets. Got me so far? Yeah. yeah. The hierarchy then all moved up a rung to fill in their places, leaving the bottom rung, the fifth rung, of the sometimes physical, sometimes etheric masters open. So the masters, like, popped off to other planets, and then everybody got promoted. And we have a bottom rung with openings available. Okay. All right. What is this business model? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. The Lord of the World's Brotherhood, the name of the organization of spirits that, you know, was, I guess, running all this, the business, the corporation, if you will. What's the corporation called? The Lord of the World's Brotherhood. TM. Okay. Decided to close the door between animals and humans so that animals could no longer spiritually evolve to reincarnate as humans for a little while. Because that's going to have to happen eventually. We've all got to work our way up. 
And they opened the door for us humans to rise to the level of ascended masters. So this is like a temporary thing that we can get to master level because, you know, there's been openings made in the in the latter. They also clarified a demarcation between good and evil, spirit and matter, which led to a world war between the forces of good and evil, ending with the great deluge in Atlantis, and then resurged during the first world war. The second world war hadn't happened at the time Bailey published the book in 1923. Got me? So both the deluge in Atlantis and the world war were about this conflict between good and evil, spirit and matter. Okay. So we've got the greedy people who, like, you know, want to take over Europe and, like, have a bunch of stuff. They're, like, our evil matter people. And our spirit people are, I don't know, the British. (laughs) I don't know if the British are the spirit people. (laughs) On this system, I guess they've reached that stage because they quit colonizing places. No, they didn't. They're still doing that. All right. Our planetary evolution. Yeah, Blavatsky definitely wouldn't have gotten on board with the British being the. Yeah. Anyway. On every side in that world war, two groups were to be found. Those who fought for an ideal as they saw it, for the highs that they knew, and those who fought for the material and selfish advantage. In the struggle of these influential idealists or materialists, many were swept in who fought blindly and ignorantly, being thus overwhelmed with racial karma and disaster. Our planetary evolution is split into five tiers. So many tiers here in hierarchies. Okay, there's the devas or the angels. Number one, the humans, below them, the vegetables, below them, the minerals, below them, and the elemental spirits, below them. Do you need actual vegetables? Yeah. I guess. Huh. Plants. Where are the fruits? (laughs) (laughs) I think they count in there. Yeah, I don't know if they're above or below the vegetables, but they're real close. I think Mm. I'm with John on this one. I I think it's just plants, really. We're really talking plants. we got to think more broadly here. should have said plants, then. With each initiation, says Bailey, the horizon enlarges, the vista extends, and the comprehension includes more and more until the expansion reaches the point where the self embraces all selves. So as you move your way up this five-tier hierarchy, masters exist in the fifth kingdom but refuse to move on. So that first, you know, that, you know, top of things committing themselves to elevating the life forms on this planet. So they're sort of like bodhisattvas. They've achieved understanding but they won't leave us all because they're going to guide us these are the elder brothers of humanity and they direct the mineral kingdom okay so they direct each of the kingdoms are you ready for this they direct the mineral kingdom to learn to build forms so i guess you become a crystal oh yeah there you go or like you know you become a crystal. A sand castle. You are salt now. Yes. <laughs> joining together of things to make other things. The vegetable kingdom to learn to respond to sensation. What does that mean? <laughs> uh, like plants react. Yeah, they learn to feel They'll things. Go away from the sun or towards, or not go away. Yeah, or go away or towards. <laughs> so as their sensation builds, the vegetables become more toward the animal human. Instill the sense of purpose or hereditary hereditary instinct. There it is. In the animal kingdom. All right. Reproduction? Is that what you mean? Yeah, okay. I think that's part of the deal. Oh. But, you know, also, you know, like purpose. Yeah, survival stuff. Like yeah. Instinct. Nah, just reproduction. <laughs> and help humanity to blend and further each of these goals. So humanity is like an aggregate of all of these things. We are both trying to build more form, trying to be more sensationed. Sensational. 
Sensi. Sensible. Sensei. <laughs> what has happened? <laughs> to develop our senses is what I'm trying to say, like vegetables. Uh, we're trying to have a clearer sense of purpose and a deeper connection to our hereditary instinct. I kind of like that. Yeah. There's yeah. something kind of poetic about it. So, to enter the fifth kingdom of the masters, the human develops a perfect love wisdom. And there's also sixth and seventh kingdoms, by the way. Uh, and in those, the being identifies with the will and purpose of God, or what she calls the logos, the word of God. Ordinarily, beings exit the planetary scheme after ascending to the fifth kingdom, but some beings choose to remain to help others, as we said, on their way up to transmit the will of the planetary logos. Our masters and planetary, uh, etheric planetary spirits run our planet from behind the veil. Oh, the veil, okay. Yeah. Okay. I gotcha. So the veil separating us yeah. in this material world yeah. from them, who are like still have a foot in. But like also out. Yeah. Humankind is meant to identify with the planetary logos and realize its particular force and energy, which were withdrawn during the Atlantean period and will not return until humankind achieves a synthesis and brotherhood working together rather than against each other. So our connection to those higher spirits has been pulled back. So the Atlantean period was the last time we had that. Blavatsky kind of talks in these terms, right? And We've got to, like, get along and love each other. <laughs> is it? And it'll come back. Sure. Hmm. I don't know if this is dumb. Is this, like, leaning towards, like, Age of Aquarius shit? I think the New Age concept is all baked into okay. theosophy, yeah. Right. You can't imagine the New Age without theosophy. Yeah. Which is both Blavatskyan and now here's, you know, American Bailey interpreting it in her own terms. She's not going to be the only. I mean, there's a lot of people that interpret yeah. theosophy later, Besant and all these folks, but... Here's Bailey's version. And, you know, we get to talk about her because there's this conspiracy behind her. Man is as yet too selfish, but there is no cause for discouragement in this. Group consciousness is already somewhat more than a vision, whilst brotherhood and the recognition of its obligations is beginning to permeate the consciousness of men everywhere. This is the work of the hierarchy of light, to demonstrate to men the true meaning of brotherhood and to foster in them response to that ideal which is latent in one and all. All right, let's get back to Lemuria, shall we? I love it. Ape hermaphrodites. With ape, one eye. Ape maphrodites. Ape maphrodites. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't like that. We'll keep going. Uh, dur- what, I mean, the concept was really from you. Just Yeah, now. I did like right. it. I lied. During the Lemurian period, 18 million years ago, quote, Sanat Kumara, the Ancient of Days, the Lord of the World, came down to this dense physical planet and has remained with us ever since. Aww. Yeah, what a nice guy. Bailey is being intentionally provocative here. Many Christians believe that these titles refer to the devil, and by that I mean Ancient of Days, Lord of the World. Got me? So Bailey is taking these titles for the devil and giving them to Sanat Kumara like intentionally to get a rise out of the Christians. Oh. In a very like passive-aggressive, subtle way. Mm-hmm. But still, it's in there. Like You can find it if you want. If you really want to go after her, she has not hidden. She's hidden in plain sight. So, uh, in the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples about how he is about to leave them for good, but reassures him that he will return. And in this... 
um, I think we see that the biblical interpretation of these titles of Satan is actually a bit of a tricky business. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away, and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh, and hath nothing in me. It makes sense for Bailey to intentionally call out a reference to Lucifer, knowing full well how it would be read. Bailey, following Blavatsky, does not identify Sainat Kumara as an incarnation of evil. In fact, he's the opposite. She says that he is, from a human standpoint, sinless, and was unable to assume a physical body, so he functions purely in his etheric spirit, like those earlier spirits, the Lemurians and, and before. He is the greatest of all the avatars, or coming ones, for he is a direct reflection of that great entity Avo, lives and breathes and functions through all evolutions on this planet, holding all within his aura or magnetic sphere of influence. In him, we live and move and have our being, and none of us can pass beyond the radius of his aura. In the theosophical worldview, Senat, as an angel or deva, is an extension of God, who has not fallen, but rather given of himself to aid the world, as opposed to Lucifer. Sanat Kumara has sacrificed his own ascension to shepherd the souls of humans through our hierarchy. He is as far evolved uh, from an adept as an adept is from animal man. You got me? So that's how high up he is on the spectrum. Oh, okay. The adept is that much more evolved than the human. Yeah. Sanat is that much more evolved than the adept. So it's like double human in, oh. in evolution. Yeah. Yeah. So, while both Bailey and her Christian detractors were talking about Satan, they understood Satan in profoundly different ways. Satan is not a tempter to evil, nor even is he an allegory for self-oriented left-handed magic in the tradition of the Church of Satan, which we discussed a while back. He is, in fact, self-sacrificing and devoid of sin. So this is even not falling nicely into a Satanist definition of Satan. No, not at all, And it changes the conversation quite a bit. Both groups are looking at the same thing. We've got our fundamentalist Christians looking at Sanat Kumara and saying, Satan! And we've got Bailey looking at Sanat Kumara and defining him in a way that is not Satan. So let's see if we can better understand this by way of a metaphor, shall we? Here we go. This is all me. So if you don't like the metaphor, you can blame me. Love me a metaphor. If you don't like the pun... Brianna, me, metaphor. I you are going to take some of the blame, Rob. A little bit. Okay. Imagine a rainstorm working its way up the coast. At the southern end, the soil is dry, and a farmer has been praying for water for his crops. When the storm arrives, the farmer blesses the rain and is grateful. His livelihood has been saved. Further up the coast, at the northern end, the soil is saturated. The streets of the village flood. Cars and cats are washed away and people drown. The villagers curse the rain for smiting them. It is literally the same storm, but it's experienced two different ways. Yeah? The Christian conspiracists might take this even a step further and suggest that the rain in our metaphor has intentionally sought their destruction. Satan, read as a bringer of knowledge and lord of this material reality, cuts both ways. Knowledge can be a path to spiritual enlightenment or a path to destruction. Life can be suffering. It can also be joy. 
When Bailey or Blavatsky choose to see the joy and enlightenment side of the coin, they can't be accused of being Satanists. They aren't concerned with the greed, evil, and suffering on the other side of the coin, and do not feel those aspects are worthy of worship. So they're really being blamed for, like, celebrating the villagers drowning and losing their cats. But they weren't on board with that in the first place. Yeah. They were just seeing the farmer in our metaphor and praising what happened to him. Okay. Do you see? Yeah. So Sanat Kumara is the head of seven Kumara, the other six working his will across oh, the planet. See, this is where you start to lose me with all this. Too many Kumaras? Like, just you just need one. <laughs> well, he's the Sanat Kumara, just like we have both the Brianna of the literals and the Olivia of the literals. Okay, but one of those is more important. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I love you. Also uh -huh. true here. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's the head of the seven. Oh, I was born first. Sorry. Mm. They are joined by a... We should photograph Bree's face. She's like... <laughs> Thank God this mic is like blocking her face from me. Oh, I could see it clearly. Uh, they are joined by a wider brotherhood of light that exists in both physical and etheric bodies doing the will of the Lord of the world. Sana. Most of this brotherhood resides in Shambhala in the middle of the Gobi Desert, the white island invisible except to the initiated. Shambhala, you'll recall, was the place, according to Blavatsky's secret doctrine, where the elect sheltered during the great deluge that brought down Atlantis. Oh, that's why that... Okay, ah, yeah. all right. A few masters, presumably Kuthumi and Master Moria, although probably some others as well, live in the Himalayas, all connecting things together. All of these are working for the enlightenment of all beings on Earth. Spiritual evolution is a kind of inevitability. We're all going to evolve over time. But Sanat Kumara came to Earth to stimulate it and keep it moving along, jump-starting the spiritual triad in the lower human. That's very interesting. All right, so uh, Bailey elaborates on Blavatsky, see if I can explain this a little bit, by defining a fourfold lower man. We have the physical body, the life force, the astral or emotional body, the germ of mind, and a spiritual triad of the higher man which is your will, your intuition and wisdom, and what she calls your higher mind. Sanat influences the mineral kingdom, rendering some minerals radioactive to allow them to better bridge into the vegetable kingdom. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he, he radiates. He radiates the minerals. So they can... So they can evolve. Become a tomato? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fruit, not a vegetable. <laughs> but they're the same. John just can't. John needs us to talk in terms of just vegetables. His food pyramid is very, like, set in stone. But wait, there's more. Sonnet also facilitates a chemical change in the vegetable kingdom so that they might change into the animal kingdom. So that's a chemical thing rather than a radioactive thing. Tomato becomes a cat. Right, if you just add a little sulfur. Ooh. I don't know. Ew. Something. I don't know about well, but I mean, really, like the the minerals in the soil, right? The yeah. Can, There's some maybe They science. grow tomatoes. I don't know that it turns them into monkeys or anything. Hmm. So uh, monkeys are way up the pyramid. Okay, so. Don't we have shared DNA with bananas or something? Well, Isn't there you go. So maybe Isn't maybe it? Bailey's right. We're laughing here. Did I just like hot take that? I might have just made that if up. we actually share, I don't know anything about this. this is I out feel of like my... I've read that. Y'all can tell true, me if I'm wrong or not. <laughs> then it's possible that we've evolved from bananas thanks to Sanat Kumara. Uh, it's that possible. Potassium. Which is a fruit, John. Thank you. <laughs> Just want them to get their due. <laughs> I don't want to leave the fruit out of this. 
All right, individuals who have ascended to adept status since the opening of the door include Vyasa, Jesus of Nazareth, and Krishna. Yeah. Lesser initiates include Paul of Tarsus and Martin Luther. Oh, okay. Yeah, he gets to the party. Vyasa is the author of the Mahabharata, for those of you who are not familiar with Indian epic tales. It would seem a surprise that Jesus would be there at all, given the attitude of the far-right conspiracy theorists who are so upset about Bailey's theories, but Jesus is a master, and according to Bailey, has been reincarnated as a Syrian man. He's, in 1923, Jesus of Nazareth was wandering Syria with a bunch of disciples, which, if we're being honest, if Jesus was really reincarnated in Syria, it's pretty much we, what we'd expect him to do, right? So it, it checks out. That's too uh, much for you, huh? You were on board with the, uh, the, the minerals evolving, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's Tomato fine. Tomato cats oh, okay. are fine. But Jesus but, uh, living in Syria in 1923. That's just a, a too titch, much. A titch, titch too, a titch. too far. We've, we've titched her off. Oh, no. The yeah. six Kumars. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you guys glad you joined me for the Satan conspiracy episode? The six, You thought it was just going to be like all like fun <laughs> Christian right versus Satan things. But no, we have to go through all this hierarchy stuff. I and... love it. Hmm. I do. Back to the Kumara. The six Kumara who serve Sanat Kumara. They're divided into two sets of three because it's not complicated what in enough. What the hell? Yeah, theosophists really love this stuff. And let's be honest, occultists love it's this like stuff too. It's like that race stuff all over. They again. love all the categories and so breaking things down. I'm so confused on these numbers, the it's, hierarchies. You don't even need it's Who's there? Don't just let it wash over you. So, the first set of the six manage exoteric forces in the world. The second set manages the esoteric, still unknown forces. And they move in and out of exoteric and esoteric roles according to the cycles of astrological conditions. So our six masters sort of are cycling according to the stars in and out of dealing with the world and dealing with the inner secret occult stuff. Other devas or angels work to adjust karma, world karma, sorry, racial karma, national karma, group karma, and individual karma. Five karmas. That's a lot of karma. Karma, yeah. (laughs) So from your personal karma all the way up to, like, the karma of the world. That's too much karma to fix. It's a lot of karma. (laughs) The Manu, Noah, and other mythological roots of the survivor of the Great Flood is the chief of the group karma set. Jesus oversees the racial set. He's the lord of love, as the Buddha is the lord of wisdom, and his reign dates 600 BCE. Yeah, all these guys are in the mix with the Senates and the Kumaras. Okay, just the Kumara. Santa's just one of them. Jesus is in charge of the racial karma? Yep, Jesus is Yeah, I think is we your... all three are yep. very confused about that one. I don't think there's an explanation. That's just how it is. He just got handed that one? That's his, it's his, his job. His dad didn't you, you help you got to do out? your job. Not really. No nepotism? Well, he's, I mean, he's also got Buddha to compete with and Noah. That is hard. They are distinguished by a knowledge of the power of sound. This final fact is the basis of that aphorism, which states that all true occultists are distinguished by the characteristics of knowledge, dynamic will, courage, and silence. To know, to will, to dare, and to be silent. Knowing the plan so well and having clear, illuminated vision, they can bend their will unflinchingly and unswervingly to the great work of creation by the power of the sound. This leads to their silence where the average man would speak, and their speaking where the average man is silent. 
So now we're adding sound to this. Sound is part of the mix. Plavatsky does have comments on sound as it well. It wasn't complicated enough. Now sound is like this ruling factor. Well, it's important. The true occultist. I'm a terrible not occultist. Only sound. Yeah, I know. We speak a lot. We're on a podcast. We're speakers. Of... We love the sound of our own voices. Yep. <laughs> but apparently silence counts as sound. Only when you are the average man would speak. I don't think average men Wait. would speak in these circumstances. Average men don't podcast. Right. So, wow. Oh, so if you're silent when one would normally speak. Brianna's still trying to right. speak. <laughs> then you are the a true occultist. And if you speak when others would be silent. So like, what so if just you, yell when nothing's you're just going talking on. to me, Rob, in class, uh-huh. and I just don't respond to you and just stare at you? Then you are a true occultist. All right. That's yeah. what I'm doing from now on. I look forward go to that. the norm. <laughs> yes. And when I look at another student and ask a question and you respond, then you're still a true occultist. Yes. So you have to talk when I'm not addressing you. Yes. That is a You've terrible interpretation. <laughs> Brianna's just oh, no. going to start staring at tiles on the wall and saying comments in class. Well, just to be clear, this is a terrible interpretation of what <laughs> Bailey is saying here. I'm confused right now. All right. So the Satan theory is pretty well disproven in my opinion, right? So far, we've, we've got to part with the Satan theory because my metaphor pretty much blows it up. Goodbye, Satan theory. They're right that Blavatsky and Bailey take a much brighter view of the Ancient of Days satan but they're wrong that they worship evil and seek to spread wickedness from high places because they don't conceive of the ancient of days father of lies as evil now as for those high places even if bailey isn't a satanist is it true that her theosophical luchus trust controls the un or are they the un's publishing house controlling what and how information is disseminated from the international body Let's check in with the Luchus Trust itself. The Luchus Trust has consultative status with the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, ECO, SOC, and World Goodwill is recognized by the Department of Public Information at the United Nations as a non-governmental organization, NGO. As such, the Trust and World Goodwill are part of a community of many hundreds of NGOs that play an active role in the United Nations particularly in spreading information about the UN and fostering support for UN programs. Since their inception, Luchus Trust and World Goodwill have given their support through meditation, educational materials, and seminars, and by highlighting the importance of the UN's goals and activities as they represent the voice of the people and the nations of the world. I forgot we were talking about the UN, honestly. I forgot that's what we were here for. That's the beauty of Alice Bailey. I got so caught up in Once you start down the Alice Bailey Road. I was stuck on the sound. (laughs) I still am. That just happened. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's fresh. But it'll stay with you for a while. All right. Uh, So the Luchas Trust doesn't actually sound like the power behind the throne. They are involved with the United Nations as an NGO partner, but they're one of hundreds of NGO partners. It also doesn't sound like they're coming into UN meetings and dressing everyone up in robes and handing them daggers and conducting dark rituals for the overthrow of the world by the powers of hell. Man, I wish. Not yet. (laughs) John holds out hope. Uh, But let's suppose that this is just a smokescreen, right? This is, right? This is the perfect conspiracy theory. So the Lucha Trust is like, all we do is publish Alice Bailey's books and we're this NGO and we're one of many NGOs. 
The Luchas Trust, let's follow this theory, is trying to throw us off the trail. They're the publishing house of the UN, says Atreyu. Very significant and powerful. Except that they aren't the publishing house of the UN. They are a publishing house. That's true. Uh, but an incre incredibly limited one. They publish a magazine of esoteric philosophy and, can you guess, the complete catalog of... Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey's books. <laughs> and that's it. The publishing house of the UN, from what I've been able to tell by researching down their public publications, is United Nations Publications. That would maybe make sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not the Luchas Trust. So sorry, Atreyu. Swing and a miss. The occult conspiracy is nothing new. And we can trace it back through the Rosicrucians and Knights Templar into the ancient world when Dionysus punished Pentheus for refusing to believe he was a god. Now that we've discovered the basic irrationality of this conspiracy, the last question for us is, why does it exist in the first place? Rob, why does it exist in the first place? <laughs> I should probably not answer. I should keep silent now because oh, yeah, God. it's too late. Yeah, I've I've got this whole podcast and these all these people are listening. I've got to answer my own question. In his excellent book Empire of Conspiracy, the author Timothy Melly points out that most conspiracy theories stem from a fear about the loss of individuality. I'll quote directly from him briefly. He says, Conspiracy theory arises out of radical doubt about how knowledge is produced and about the authority of those who produce it. It develops from the refusal to accept someone else's definition of a universal social good or an officially sanctioned truth. You guys all right with that so far? I think so. <laughs> if I heard correctly. Sounds good. <laughs> radical doubt about how knowledge is produced and about the authority of those who produce it. So don't tell me what to think, right? Yeah. Professor okay. man, book man with your thoughts yeah, Rob. controlling me. It's a refusal to accept someone else's definition of a universal social good. Yeah? Mm -hmm. So it, this is a universal good, says the United Nations. The United Nations represents a threat to a certain segment of conservative Christianity that is best reflected in Blavatskyan theosophy. Let me do the transitive property here. The United Nations is Blavatsky, and Blavatsky is evil. Therefore, the United Nations is evil. This is how the argument goes. You got me? Yeah. But why would these conspiracy theorists want to believe this? Blavatsky broke down the barriers between East and West. Uh, it should start to dawn on you now, right? Yeah. Privileging Hinduism and Buddhism over Christianity. She helped to rescue Indian traditions from Christian missionaries and promote Eastern religion to a Western audience. She believed, as did Bailey after her, in an underlying world religion, just as the United Nations believes in an overlying international social and political order. Such an order demands a kind of postmodern take on tradition and belief. That all these different traditions and beliefs, including conservative Christian traditions and beliefs, are valid in their own way. So conservative Christians have to share the playground with Hindus and Buddhists and Muslims. This implies that Christianity cannot be the one true way, that all these other traditions should not be stamped out as heathen religions and replaced with Christianity as the only path to heaven. In leveling the playing field and honoring non-Western religious and cultural systems, the United Nations is actually threatening the specialness of the conservative Christian self 
image. So that's how this body, do you see, yeah. threatens their sense of self by saying what they should think. The universal social good of universal toleration, if not appreciation, is not something the conservative Christian embraces. In this vision of international order and peace, Christians aren't special. They're one of a brotherhood of equals, which is really how Blavatsky saw things and how Bailey apparently sees things if, we can, if we're penetrating the depths of her various kumaras. But they insist on being special, on maintaining their right to view their religion as the only truth, and so they reject any effort to compromise that view. And a conspiracy is born. Hmm. And that's my explanation of the United Nations Satanic Theosophical Society Conspiracy Theory. Satan! Hmm. Satan. That's what I got out of this. <laughs> really? That's... My love for him is still strong. I mean, do you follow what I'm saying here? No, yeah. I do. I was going to... Lean in, I, lean in. When I got past the sound barrier that oh, I was you've having, done it. Get you've it? Gotten that past was another the... really bad joke. I'm Good. sorry. Um, and I'm but we're glad that you today. arrived on the other side of your sound quandary. It made me think, because I don't know if I've brought this up, but like my mountain metaphor for religion... Oh, go go ahead. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So pretty much, like, there's like a bunch of different paths to the top of this mountain, and at the peak of the mountain is like this higher power that we all strive to get to, and we all just take all these different paths. So I like how it gets brought up within this that it's not just singularly Christianity that gets you to heaven. Right. It's, that there's there's all, all those of different... these other paths to it, and yeah. I like how that's why they think this conspiracy is a thing. From a very conservative traditionalist standpoint, yeah, yeah. like yeah. a liberal Christian, I'm sure could follow that ideology. Yeah. But in this very yeah. conservative space, I mean, we could say this about any religious tradition, yeah. but it just so happens that it's a conservative Christian voice that's created this conspiracy, and it's coming from different quarters. So, yeah. All right. So, is is it possible to think about this in Satanist terms? So, Satan to a Satanist is not really a guy, right? No. But, so what is Lucifer then? Why is Lucifer an object of you know praise or sort of like the organizing principle? Satanism? Yeah. It's more like Satan than Lucifer. Well, so what? Are, what is Satan then? An idea. He's like a... It's more of like what Satan stands for. Like what he did in the Bible. What the Christians say like he did about going against what God said and feeling that God was... Favoring humans over the angels, which were like his people, his family. So Satan revolted against that and because of that got cast down, kind of made his own family. And it's just the idea too that um, whereas Christians consider Satan and sins, Satanists are going to look at it and be like, well, what's a sin? Mm. Um, sins are just man-made constructs. The only real sin you can commit as a Satanist is either... Not having knowledge is a sin, um, not being knowledgeable, um, or hurting people that don't deserve it. But, like, besides that, it, things like sexuality, it, they're very much so, like, why would you live your life one way on the possibility that there's something that could bring you an afterlife? So there's the same idea of the rainstorm, right? That it's, yeah. The two groups can look at the same rainstorm and one see the evil and one see the good in it. Well, even with like the dual, like the dual view of him as being the two sides of the storm, like you mentioned, right. like uh, I have this. I recently bought this Icelandic folklore, like traditional magic book, and um, or folk magic book, and 
within it, they use like Christian prayers, like they call upon the Trinity, like the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all that good stuff, to invoke the seven like devils of Satan. Oh, yeah. And so, like, they put... There's a literal overlap there. Yeah, they put him at this respect of, yes, he has fallen, but he still was an angel, and he still has that... Like, he fell for us, like, in a way. But they still (laughs) call to him, like, he could appear as a thing. Yeah. Um, Which is not an especially Satanist, but a pagan thing to do. Yeah. 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 But, like, I just thought it was very interesting that within that folk Christian view, they still were, like... We're going to use God to invoke the seven devils of Satan. So would he have still be seen as like a bringer of light or would it be yeah. in a negative? No, it's in a good way. Of um, knowledge. It, it, even like the the uh, spells and prayers that I'm talking about, not all of them are to like do like harm to somebody. A lot of them are to bring like fortune and right. abundance to themselves. Right. Yeah. yeah. On this plane. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. I mean, Satan is indulgence. Yeah. Lord of this Satanists world. Satanists just don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah. They think you should indulge in yourself. And that's that. I just thought that was an interesting overlap. Let's open up our order of confessors. Ian, uh, our friend, uh, who we hear about, who hear from, hear about from time to time, or hear from from time to time, uh, a graduate student in uh, Native American studies, wrote to let us know about some large mounds located outside of St. Louis. I believe it was James uh, who mentioned a couple of episodes back uh, during the Secret Doctrine episode, he theorized some pyramids in St. Louis. James was, of course, in his classic style, just saying some nonsense, but it turns out there are actual pyramids in St. Louis. Why Uh, does he keep getting validated? He always does, right? (laughs) People come after you, but James... Honestly. So they're called uh, Cahokia, and uh, these may have been built by the ancestors of America's indigenous people. Hmm. Okay, Olivia, your turn. Uh Oh, but guess what? This is from uh, Cast Crisp, who hails from Texas, and he he wrote to us on Facebook. And he's asking about uh, Olivia's episode on reptilians, which he loved. Thank you. Crisp. And he wonders if there's any connection between reptilians and what's called the human lizard brain. Yeah, man. You, know, you, you people have heard about this. The lizard brain is supposed to be sort of like your instinctual self. Yeah, it's like your... The lizard brain is like the uh, oldest part of your brain. It's like literally what we share with reptiles and dinosaurs. Like that's part of us that is carried over through forever. So Olivia sketched out a thing here. I. <laughs> She's been mulling over this question. So I am going to try to simplify this question because honestly, I feel like I could do a 30-minute episode on this question. Oh, cool. Maybe that'll be a patron thing. Oh, just for crisp. Just for crisp. So you've got the three-part brain you've written here. Your lizard brain. What is that? Williamstown? What is so, that? Okay. <laughs> I saw so there's... I'm trying to think of how to simplify. Okay, so there's your lizard brain, which is going to be... There's a much more technical term for it. I think it's called, like, the basal gang, ganglia? Ganglia? I don't know how to pronounce it, guys. I, I don't know medical things. I just... Yeah. Um, and it's your fight or flight. It's your sex. It's territory. It's... All of the things that made it so you could survive, like, in your most pure form, if that makes sense. Am I making sense? I'm with you. So, it's the same as reptiles, like I said. Like, reptiles don't have thought processes necessarily like we do. They act impulsively. That part of our brain is very impulsive. 
So the whole theory behind it is that the reptilian Illuminati, okay, mm-hmm. stay with me. Second time we're hearing Illuminati uh, in today's episode. Really, I could just say reptilians. You could just assume. Okay. okay. Um, but the idea is that they are going to use the right side of your brain, the subconscious, the dreamlike state, your imagination. They're going to use that part to manipulate the left side which is really what we only truly understand. Does that make sense? Am I wording that right? So your logic, your education, the science. So the idea is that the things that we think are not our own. So they use media and... um, To to operate on our rational brains. All the various things that speak to us in a rational way. Yeah, so we see a billboard and we might be okay with how we look, but if we see a billboard of super skinny model, all of a sudden we're like, oh, I need to go do this. Do you know what I mean? So is that rational? Is that like the subconscious? So the lizard, how does the lizard brain fit into this? Uh, well, then you start to also, well, that because that's your impulse. Okay, so the lizard brain is what they're really operating on. Well, the idea is they want to split all of the parts of your brain apart. Oh, and get your lizard I didn't say brain that part. functioning. They want to the split rest. your right and your left hemisphere completely and then also be able to The idea is if they could just control the reptilian lizard part of your brain, we'd be completely controlled. Let's bring this episode on home. <laughs> Crisp, we'll talk. Uh, Olivia, speak the words that get us the heck out of here. What if I just kept doing this? No, 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 no. It's been a hard enough day, what with all the Senats and Kumaras. I hereby adjourn and declare closed the secret meet. Oh. It's a public meeting, so you're back to it, because you got all in your lizard brain. It's a public podcast They've meeting taken me. of... I hereby... Oh, here we go. ...adjourn and declare closed this meeting of the secret order of alchemical actors until such a time as we get together and do it again. All right, we had a number of uh, voices in today's episode. We had Nick Ross, we had Sean Priest, uh, we had Savannah Verrett doing Alice Bailey. Uh, We also had Abby Cook in the mix. Uh, So thanks to our voice actors today. Uh, And joining us in discussion, we've got uh, our grand master as usual, Olivia Littoral. Answering all the questions. Uh, John Cook, our newly uh, dubbed Sylph of the Air. (laughs) And our metallurgic prophet, Brianna Litterall. Yeah. Yeah. Are you okay? She's burnt. She's burnt up. I think I had an aneurysm. My name is Dr. Rob C. Thompson. I am your host and the uh, supreme hierophant here at the Alchemical Actors stage. The uh, This episode was recorded, as most of our episodes are, at Chesapeake College on the Cadby Theater stage. We thank you so much for joining us. This is the conclusion of our Blavatsky series. Uh, beginning next time, in two weeks, we will be uh, opening our new series on magical warfare. Oh, hell Ooh. yeah! yeah. Ooh, I'm ready. So, we'll be starting with an episode on the Livonian werewolf, uh, <laughs> who, who referred to himself as the Hound of God, oh speaking of puns, oh, uh, and then we'll be carrying on to discuss, uh, I'm going to do a whole episode that I'm calling Alistair Crowley Goes to War. Uh, we'll be doing an episode on the Magical Battle of Britain. Uh, I'll be doing the ghost dance of uh, our native peoples uh, here in the Americas, and we will be discussing 
Government Psychic Spies. Yeah, I'm very excited about this series. I'm lit. Okay, so uh, we'll catch you next time for some werewolves. Have a good two weeks. <laughs> <laughs>